Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pineapple Pizza podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up delicious slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. Weird, but it works. Today's special is a variety of tasty urban legends from the frozen tundra of Mother Russia. Oh my gosh. I'm your hostess, Lindsay, and with me, as always, is... Emily and Ashley. How to hell? Oh my god. <laughs> We're all just gonna Mr. Hanky at you forever now. <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't do a good Mr. Hanky. I can do blue from blues clues, but that's it. Lindsay has to get out her handy dandy notebook. Yep. It's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. I can do that as Blue the dog, too, but it's really difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Our first slice may cause your taste buds to buzz with excitement. Oh. Because we're going to be talking about UVB-76, also known as the buzzer. I don't know what this is. It's pretty cool. So the 1970s were a strange time in Russia, with the Cold War still in full effect, with no sign of stopping, and the nuclear arms race was gearing up. It was also during this time that a strange phantom radio station started to broadcast along the Russian airwaves. Known locally as the buzzer, The origins of the station itself are unknown, along with why it emits what it does. It is also known as UVB-76. It broadcasts at 4,625 kilohertz and is picked up by shortwave radios tuned into that frequency. Located in a swampy spot near St. Petersburg, the station has been broadcasting for over 40 years, starting in 1973. The radio towers and abandoned buildings are surrounded by an iron fence. Up until 1992, the station would broadcast almost exclusively beeps before switching over to buzzes, around 21 to 34 per minute that each lasted around a second. 
That is weird. Yeah, it gets weirder. The buzzer broadcasts a mysterious buzzing sound almost every other second on a constant loop, except for every couple of months when the buzz breaks just long enough for a thick Russian voice to recite the code UVB76 before the buzz starts all over again. It has been known to release other random codes as it is tracked by a fan base who catalog its bizarre broadcasts a few of which include this one from Christmas Eve, 1997. Ya UVB76, Ya UVB76, 180088, Bromal, 742799, 14, Boris, Roman, Olga, Mikhail, Anna, Larissa, 74279914. Are they trying to win the lottery? Those kind of sound like Powerball numbers. <laughs> the longest Powerball numbers in existence. <laughs> I am really disappointed there wasn't a Natasha in there next to that Boris. Boost and squirrel. Boris, Olga, Romanov. Boris, Roman, Olga, Mikhail, Anna, Larissa. So it was spelling out the call sign for Bromel. Mm-hmm. That's what I was wondering. I was trying to decode that one a little bit because I'm a nerd. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, there's more. Around this time, a second station started broadcasting from a forest near Moscow, which leads some to speculate that the operation has some ties to the military. It's believed that it emanates from uh, Voyanyi Goradak, or mini military city, near Povarova, which is a 40-minute drive from Moscow. On June 5th, 2010, for no apparent reason, the buzzing stopped. For the first time in almost 40 years, the broadcast was nothing but dead air for an entire day before it resumed on June 6th as usual. You know what that reminds me of? Hmm. You ever heard the John Mulaney story about the time he and his friend played the same song over and over and over again on one of those old-timey beatboxes? <laughs> yeah. It reminds me exactly like that because they randomly put one song that wasn't that song in the middle of it, and everyone in the place, like, sighed with relief because they thought it was finally over, and then it started again. <laughs> They played What's New Pussycat. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, That's what it reminds me of. That one day everybody was like, oh my God, no more bugging. (laughs) And then it came back. (laughs) Well, then on August 25th, 2011, at 1013 a.m., everything about the broadcast started to change. At first, there was silence before a series of knocks and shuffles could be heard as if someone had entered the room. Prior to this, all the sounds, the beeps, buzzes, codes, numbers, all of it, had seemed almost malevolent in nature. You angry beeps? (laughs) Beep, beep, beep. I imagine it sounds a lot like Chopper from Star Wars Rebels. (laughs) (laughs) Then the first week of September... The transmissions were frequently interrupted, most often with what sounded to many as recorded snippets from Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake, specifically Dance of the Little Swans. That's so random. (laughs) (laughs) 
Do you think the aliens sent in a special request? They're like, okay, we get it, we get it. But what we really want to hear is Dance of the Little Swans. We want to get our classical dance on. Well, Tchaikovsky was pretty awesome, so... He was, not gonna lie. It's true. September 7th, 2011, at 8.48 p.m. Moscow time, a male voice could be heard issuing a new call sign. Mikhail Dmitry Zenya Boris noting that the station should forevermore be known by the new moniker of MDZHB. This message was followed by one of the typical messages that were common back when the station was known as UVB-76. 04979DRENDOUT. A long series of numbers followed, then the letters T R E N E R S K I Y before even more numbers. Following the slew of activity in August and September of 2011, listeners to the station made another discovery. The station's position itself appeared to have moved. Sneaky bastard. Right? Its rough location is now believed to be near the town of. Fuck, I didn't translate this. <laughs> Is that the official Russian name? Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't translate this. It sounds like it. Also known as Pskva. <laughs> it's, it's P-S-K-O-V. Pskov? Pskov. Skov. Skov. That sounds Skov. right. That's close. We'll go with, we'll with Skov. Not to, not to be confused with scat. Scoff. Say it malevolently. Scoff. Scoff. That is Russian. It has to be angry, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a requirement. Yes. Which is close to where Russia borders Estonia. Oh, okay. Conspiracy theorists believe the move has to do with the Russian military. A theory that's backed up by evidence that in September, the Moscow and Leningrad districts merged and formed a new command center in St. Petersburg. Adding fuel to the fire, January 24, 2013, saw the broadcast of its most famous transmission to date. Command 135 initiated. What? Conspiracy theorists believe it could have ties to nuclear war, One is an operation called Dead Hand Switch, which is an autonomous doomsday system that's set up to launch nuclear missiles in the unlikely event that no humans are left to push the button themselves. Then why even set that up? That's dumb. Just to be a dick. Yep. (laughs) I mean, obviously. (laughs) Just to watch it burn. But you can't. They're all dead. They get the last word. (laughs) Another theory is that it's used as a type of missile tracking system or a way for Russian spies to send encoded messages to one another. A final theory is that it's something as simple as a signal jammer or a red herring to throw people for a loop and off the scent of any actual broadcast that may have ties to the government. As of 2011, the city of Porovova, the original second site of the station, is all but abandoned. The station includes a small pink building that looks like the entrance to an underground facility, a belief backed up by the fact that it's next to an ancient stone structure. The earth near the tower has multiple metal cylinders rising out of it, cylinders believed to be ventilation shafts. 
An ajar door on the side of the stone building shows a hole that used to hold a ladder, a hole that according to freelance writer Peter Savodnik in his Wired article, seemed to go at least 32 feet below ground. At the time of its writing, he noticed another pink building that appeared to contain some form of life, especially considering there was a dog in the yard as well. Aw, puppy! Pink doesn't seem very inconspicuous. No. I saw a picture of it and it was like a really faded pink. Like, it may have once upon a time been like a shade of red, but then it like faded or like eroded over time. Okay, I I could see that, yeah. I was going to say, you would think pink would stand out a whole lot, and people around you are going to be going, hmm. What is that hot pink building? <laughs> Hello Kitty lives there. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> you just see a giant, like, mascot of Hello Kitty come wandering into the yard to feed the dog. That's <laughs> the dog, and then wanders back into the house. That sounds adorable. I'm down. Pet it with the like the arm that goes like this. <laughs> we have to like bend over like a teapot to pet it properly. <laughs> a teapot. <laughs> I love that. In January 2016, the call sign was changed again to Z H U O Z, and again in late December 2018, it changed for a final time. But this time, it's more than one name. What? Most are ANVF, but it also goes by 2170, VZHCH, A1JZH, LNR4, in addition to the last call sign of ZHUOZ. And if you're interested in hearing the station yourself, you can by visiting uvb-76.net which is an online feed created by an Estonian named Andres Oslade, who's been a fan of shortwave radios since the first grade. Today, the site is visited by interested hobbyists from around the world, including Kremlinologists, hackers, anarchists, people who believe in extraterrestrials, installation artists, someone from Virginia who goes by the name Room 641A. What? <laughs> right? <laughs> so random. Someone from Virginia. <laughs> hey, dude, in Virginia, we hear you. We know you're there. You already had my eyebrows perked up at someone in Virginia. That you by this. What? <laughs> no. A former Lithuanian Minister of Communications and many more. So number stations have existed since World War One, and online groups contest whether UVB76 is a true number station at all, or merely posing as one by communicating encrypted messages, usually numbers in groups of five, making it impossible to decode without using a key. The format that the Russian military uses is known as monolith messages, scrambled messages sent out live between communication headquarters to subordinate military units. The messages can vary from readiness testing, training, issuing warnings, as well as calling for mobilization. Not scary at all. No, that's (laughs) totally fine. What? (laughs) The monolith changes over time, which means the coded messages will change in meaning depending on what cipher is being used to decode the message. Yeah. So it's up to you, dear listeners, to decide what the real purpose for the station is and its transmissions truly are. And information on this legend was pulled from Mysterious Universe, 
numberstations.com, theculturetriprbth.com, and Wired Magazine. So what do you think? Do you think it's military? Do you think it's somebody's just trying to mess with everybody? That's an extreme hobby if you're pulling it off for 40 years. Yeah, it just, it seems really elaborate if it was just a hoax. And to have it keep going for over 40 years. I mean, that's dedication to uh, to a hoax if that's what you're doing. You know I don't I mean? know. If anyone were going to pull that off, that would be Russia. Uh-huh. That's true. <laughs> they don't believe in doing anything halfway or even three quarters. We're going to go like 200% of the distance that's actually required for this because yep. that's how we roll. Yep. Respect, though. Respect, though. Yeah, mad respect. Also horrifying, and I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of us are like, Ashley, when she plays chess, we get 20 minutes in and we're like, fuck this, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then you lose on purpose so that you can read a book. <laughs> yeah. And then you throw the board and you're like, fuck you and your queen. And then you run away. That's <laughs> <laughs> good until the little thing at the end. <laughs> <laughs> all right my fellow hostesses and i are going on break so we'll be back with you in just a moment with another tasty slice hey there do you like movies cartoons video games anime and everything in between then we have a show for you the four nerds by nerds podcast Every week, Josh and Ben bring you all the latest and greatest in movie reviews, news, commentaries, interviews, special guests, and tons of bonus episodes. New episodes come out every Monday. We also make great nerdy content on our YouTube channel. You can find our show anywhere podcasts are found. The 4 Nerds by Nerds Podcast. Your one stop for all your nerdy needs. Stay nerdy, my friends. We're back, and this next piece is a deep dish that may be too hot to handle. If you're looking to commune with the souls of the damned, then we suggest you make a special trip to Siberia, specifically to the Well to Hell. It's too hot to handle in Siberia. Yep. You've already piqued my interest. Tell me more. (laughs) According to legend, a team of Russian geologists were drilling in a remote region of Siberia in 1989. It isn't really clear what they were digging for, per se. Some sources say it was oil. Regardless, they drilled an 8.9 mile, or 14.3 kilometer, deep hole through the permafrost. What? (laughs) (laughs) I know I sound like a broken record at this point, but can I just say what? (laughs) Deep? Deep. 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 It went down 8 miles. Yes. That's... Do they even do that in Africa when they're mining for diamonds? Do they go that deep? I have no idea. No. That's insane. Yeah. It gets better. (laughs) As the drill hit the 9 mile or 14.5 kilometer mark, the bit started to swing rapidly, which is an indication of a hollow space beneath where you're digging. In this case, it turned out to be a vast hollow space, a very hot hollow space. (laughs) <laughs> Duh, you're getting closer to the cool. <laughs> it's ice cold. Emily, you get out of here with your facts. Get out. Get out of here with your science. 
<laughs> that close to the core, but you're working your way towards the center of the earth. Duh. <laughs> it's said that the temperatures in the hole were measured at 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit <laughs> or 1,093 degrees Celsius. Oh, okay, you said the temperatures in the hole. <laughs> because it's a hole. <laughs> that is one hot hole. It's a hot hole. I'm so sorry. It's a hot, deep hole. It's a very deep hot <laughs> hole. Think it gets moist down there? I would think it'd be kind of sweaty. Kind of sweaty. <laughs> kind of sweaty. Oh my god. I am too immature for this story. <laughs> <laughs> so for some strange reason, the geologists just happened to have microphones and a very large cable with them. As it said that they lowered the microphones into the hole, where they were able to distinctly hear the sounds of crying, anguished souls before the heat melted the microphones completely. I thought whale noises would happen. <laughs> <laughs> I was be like, this is a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Listen, it could be, and it'd be more fun if it were hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. <laughs> Okay, I know where my towel is, and I want to hear some <laughs> It's just Dory down there. Hello. Escape. <laughs> okay, I'm good. So being men and women of science, the only logical conclusion would be that they had unknowingly accessed the gateway to hell, right? Totes. Definitely <laughs> logical, yeah. Totes my goats. Yeah. <laughs> Or was this a fabricated story to cover up something related to the Cold War era of the Soviet Union? I'm going to go ahead and say ding, ding, ding. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) During the Cold War between the Soviets and Americans, it was imperative that they beat one another to be the first at something. Whether that be putting a man on the moon or in this case, drilling to the center of the Earth. A top secret project was led by a Soviet named Azakov with the objective being to study the Earth's composition as well as get access to the cache of minerals that lay hidden beneath the surface. After the team had reached the 9 mile or 14.5 kilometer mark and encountered the immense change in temperature, the engineers and scientists that made up part of the crew lowered their heat-resistant measurement devices and a microphone into the hole to capture readings and hopefully a recording. What they were able to get was only 20 seconds of audio, but what they did capture was the stuff of nightmares. No good. It's uh, the song that never ends. Oh my god, that is the stuff of nightmares. (laughs) Or Jim Carrey comes back with... Uh We're on to you. This recording was kept under wraps until it was made public in 2002 when Art Bell of Coast to Coast AM received a copy from a listener along with a note. The note read, quote, I just recently began listening to your radio show and could not believe it when you talked about the sounds from hell tonight. My uncle told me this story a couple of years ago and I didn't believe him. Like one of your listeners who discounted the story as nothing more than just a religious newspaper fabricated account. The story about the digging, the hearing of the sounds from hell, it is is very real. It did occur in Siberia. My uncle collected videos on the paranormal and supernatural. He passed away fairly recently. He let me listen to one of the audio tapes that he had on the sounds from hell in Siberia, and I copied it. He received his copy from a friend who worked at the BBC. 
Attached is that sound from my uncle's tape. End quote. The clip is said to sound like the wailing and screaming of multiple people under extreme torture and suffering immense pain. It's said that members of the team who had been present during the event quit on the spot and left the dig site immediately. Doctors and medical personnel had a hard time treating the crew as they recovered from the trauma they suffered, some continuing to experience auditory hallucinations and recurring nightmares several years later. As they often do, rumors started to spread about the project. Some said that plumes of smoke escaped the hole after the drill pierced that final layer and entered the empty space below. The rumor continues that the smoke flew across the Siberian sky, forming into words such as I have conquered in Russian before dissipating into nothingness. Others claimed that a bat-winged creature rose from the hole before escaping amidst the smoke. Dracula! (laughs) (laughs) I picture that scene from Fantasia, where it's like the devil rises from the volcano or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In 1989, a version of the Well to Hell story made its way to Christian publications in the U.S., before reaching Trinity Broadcasting Network, or TBN, where they decided to run the story titled Scientists Discover Hell. Oh, God. What? No. (laughs) This began a complicated and convoluted rabbit hole of he-said-she-said nonsense after the story ran as people were looking for proof. TBN stated that their source was a Finnish newspaper called Amanustasia, which, fun fact, isn't a newspaper at all, but an evangelical Lutheran magazine. Oh, well, in that case, it must be <laughs> true. Right. 100% reliable. The article in question had been written from memory by a staffer who had read the story in an actual newspaper called Atella Solman. The article that was used was run in a section of the paper that was purposefully unmoderated or edited which was a veritable Wild West area for publishing whatever you wanted without having to cite your sources. So, kind of like creepypasta. Yep. So the truth behind this urban legend is actually very simple and pretty boring. In the 1970s, an operation was started on the Kola Peninsula in Russia, near Murmansk, to learn more about the Earth's composition. This particular area that shares borders with Norway and Finland is the uppermost part of the Baltic Shield, which is bedrock composed of minerals and granites that erupted from the Earth's mantle around 3 billion years ago. This area was meticulously chosen as it is ideal for discovering what sort of secrets lay beneath the surface. Dubbed the Super Deep Boring USSR Project... (laughs) Sorry. Super Deep. (laughs) Super Deep Boring. And it's spelled boring how you would spell boring. Yep. The drill continued in intervals from 1978 to 1992. The first four years went smoothly, and the drill managed to successfully reach a depth of 7 kilometers, or 4.3 miles, and at that point, a heavier-duty drill had to be used, one that weighed 200 tons. After that, the hole itself began to curve slightly to avoid areas of bedrock (laughs) that were just too hard to drill through. Did it curve to the left? I don't know, Emily. I didn't look at the picture that close. (laughs) It did have a slight curve, though. Sometimes you just need a curve. Just hit the right spot. Mm -hmm. So once 1983 rolled around, the depth exceeded 12 kilometers, or 7.5 miles. But in 1984, the main shaft broke. 
and the whole project had to be started all over again at 7,000 meters. Well, that sounds like a nightmare. Shaft breaking. Oh my goodness. There's nothing worse than a broken shaft, am I right? (laughs) 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 Okay. Could you imagine? Can't say I've ever had to deal with a broken shaft. (laughs) Not really sure how to answer that question. So in 1990, the hole had reached a depth of 12,262 meters, or 7.6 miles, and the drill broke once more and for the final time. In 1995, an unknown explosion occurred in the mine shaft, and to this day, scientists are unclear what caused it. So the project was stopped once the drill bits that were being used could no longer withstand the heat, which was 356 degrees Fahrenheit, or 180 degrees Celsius. It was kept operational until around 2005, and the site was liquidated officially in 2008. The mission brought forth lots of new information about the Earth's makeup, such as the fact that water can be found at 12 kilometers or 7.5 miles below the Earth's crust, that temperature starts to rise dramatically after 4 kilometers below the surface, they discovered 24 new fossilized single-celled organisms, and gained access to rocks that are 2.7 billion years old. Ooh. That's cool. Yeah. You can still visit the site today as the 23 centimeter, 9 inch wide hole has a metal lid welded over it to protect anyone or anything from falling down into it. If you were to fall into it, it would take around three and a half to four minutes to reach the bottom. So you wouldn't be falling for 30 minutes. No, you wouldn't pull, you wouldn't pull a Loki in Doctor, in Doctor Strange. <laughs> Damn it. I've been falling <laughs> for 30 minutes. <laughs> I love it. To this day, the Kola Super Deep Borehole is the deepest man-made hole ever made on Earth. Putting it into perspective, the Mariana Trench, which is the deepest part of the ocean at 36,201 feet below sea level, is higher than the depth achieved by the Kola Borehole which sits at 40,230 feet below sea level. And the audio that they quote-unquote recorded of the people screaming in hell, Mm -hmm. it's actually a looped section of audio from the 1972 horror movie Barren Blood. (laughs) So information on this legend was pulled from Urbo.com, Russia Beyond, The New York Post, The Sun, Medium.com, and Wikipedia. Our last dish offers a unique taste that will linger long after you draw your curtains at night. This legend starts with the best of intentions before quickly taking a left turn. It tells the tale of a family looking to decorate their home, which seems like a pretty simple enough task. Mm -hmm. A mother asks her daughter to go to the store to purchase a new set of curtains with the express instructions to not get the black ones. But the store that the girl went to only sold black curtains. Only black curtains. Apparently. Everything else was out of stock. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. We're going with it. Just suspend disbelief. Just Mm -hmm. go with it. We're rolling with it. It's cool. Not wanting to look for another store and eager to get back back home to her family, the girl made the decision to purchase the, the curtains. Once she got home, the mother was angry with her daughter, but she still put up the curtains. 
The next morning, the girl woke up to find that her father had been strangled during the night. That escalated quickly. (laughs) (laughs) That day, the little girl begged her mother to stay in the room with her until she fell asleep. Annoyed, the mother agreed to stay in her room, but when the girl woke up in the morning, it was to find that her mother was dead, just like her father. Night after night, more members of her family were strangled, with her brother as the next victim, leaving the girl all alone. Terrified, the girl sought out the police, begging for their help to investigate the murders of her loved ones. The police hid in her home as the girl pretended to fall asleep. Unbelievably, before the terrified eyes of the police, the black curtains began to grow and stretch, softly brushing up against the girl's neck before contracting like a boa constrictor to strangle her. Not sure what to do, the police opened fire on the curtains, which began to shriek and bleed as they were shot. The curtains finally fell to the floor dead, and the girl was saved. You know, I sense a lawsuit in that store's future. (laughs) Okay, so I have one more part of this legend. The legend of the yellow curtains is very different, but no less terrifying. Ugh, I hate yellow. (laughs) The story starts with a family purchasing a set of yellow curtains that they set up in the children's room. Unknown to the parents, the curtains would wake the little boy up at night, commanding him to wake, wash his face, and have breakfast before waking up to look outside where he would see his long-dead grandmother. Before he could register just how shocking this was, the curtains would grab him before tossing him out the window to his death on the street below. Um, why? (laughs) (laughs) The following night, to the family's horror, the same thing happened to his sister when they discovered her body the next morning. After this, the parents went out to see the woman who had sold them the curtains, demanding to know how to break the curse that seemed to be upon them. The woman told them that the only way to free themselves from the curtain's curse would be to find the scalpel that was hidden in the, quote, star above the Kremlins, which they would then use to cut the curtains. What? Like, why? Why is this so complicated? Why are you selling these curtains? I don't know. I feel like it's like a quest to Mordor, only a lot sadder. So the parents visited the local police and implored them to help them retrieve the scalpel in the star. Thinking they were crazy, the police still complied with their request and were amazed to find a scalpel hidden in the star. When the officer followed the parents to their home and began to cut the curtains, they exploded into thousands of pieces before disappearing along with the scalpel. Similar to our creepy campfire tales, In Soviet Russia, stories such as this were told in young pioneer camps, which is very similar to our version of Boy and Girl Scouts, before later making their way around the campfires of summer camps in areas of Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, and more. And information on this legend was pulled from LearnRussianLanguage.net, The Calvert Journal, and Russia Beyond. I I feel like the necessary joke here is that in Russia, you don't hang curtains. Curtains hang you. Very true. That's fucked up. It's <laughs> fucked up. The only thing that I'm gleaning from all of this is that, like, Russian police must be much better than American police. Um, I'm pretty sure American police would be like, get out of here, you psycho. We're not going to do that. <laughs> and that would just be the end of it. 
Yeah, they probably just uh, forced you into some kind of institution and be like, they crazy. I feel like that's probably what would happen because they definitely would not go to a star and retrieve a scalpel. They just wouldn't do it. And I was like, where is the star above the Kremlin? I was like, where is this thing? I couldn't figure out what that meant. There's so many questions with that story. Why is there a scalpel inside of a star above the Kremlin? And why does the scalpel have to be used to kill curtains? Why do they toss children out of windows? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, why did they ask them to like get up, get dressed, make sure you eat breakfast and wash your face before you come to the window and then I can throw you out of it? It's just... Like, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Your face has to be clean before I throw it into the dirt. <laughs> before you happy birthday to the ground. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I picture that moment when the, the curtains explode, like those old 80s movies, when something would explode and it was like this slow motion. And then you get the sparkly as it goes out. Oh, yeah. Yes. It was definitely like that. You can tell it was just somebody set a firecracker and something on the ground, but they put it into a movie like it was high tech. I just picture the parents are like slow-mo walking away from it as it like explodes in the background and they put on their their sunglasses and they're just like sorry our kids are dead but at least least we won't be thrown out a window. (laughs) Time to move. So yeah those are my urban legends. Those are some good ones. Yeah I don't like curtains anymore uh, but (laughs) you know I liked the other stories a lot. They were good. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why curtains are murdering people. Yeah, I don't know. It was I wanted to include those ones because they were just so random that I was like, I I need to talk about these. And there was another urban legend that I didn't do that was super involved. That was about the Black Volga, about this car that apparently the government would use to like abduct children or something creepy like that. Again with the children. Ugh. And I was like, I don't like that. I oh. like the giant hole to hell and the hell hole, the hell hole, the super deep hell hole. <laughs> and uh, I liked the the radio one. That one was really interesting to me. No, they were all really cool. They were mm. all really cool. I liked them a lot. I'm a little afraid to sleep in my bed, which is right next to a window with curtains now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing that for a long time, and those are the same curtains, so they probably won't kill me. <laughs> They've been just sitting there going, we've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> now she knows it's our time to strike. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I if I am going to get strangled by curtains, it'd be good for it to happen on a Sunday, because then I don't have to work. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Bright side? Everyone's always like, you're not an optimist. There, there, I just did it. That was optimism. (laughs) (laughs) Always look on the bright side of life. (laughs) Constantly breaking into song on this show. (laughs) It's all good. We just like Monty Python. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Did you guys have anything good to talk about this week? Um, What were some of the stats we got? That were really good up to this point. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it'll be old news at this point by the time this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's pretty exciting right now. Yeah. I, I know that we got over 200 downloads in our first two weeks. So that's not too bad for a brand new podcast. It's pretty awesome. Um, I think 13 countries. 
something like that. That's pretty Is one of them Russia? Is one of them not, no, not yet. But we do have India and Italy on there, which I think is interesting because nice. we're going to be doing some of those. And the Netherlands, which is another one on our list. And then we we charted in South Africa. Yeah. Which is, cool. nice. which is weird because I'm working on a case for the other show that's in South Africa. <laughs> Can't figure out how that worked out, but I'm fine with it. <laughs> I think it's interesting that we're charting in South Africa and we only have like 200 downloads. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, some countries you don't really need that many like downloads to make it onto the chart, depending on what category you're into. So, but yeah, that's crazy. It'd be funny if we were like the only podcast in one of the categories and it's just like just us on the chart. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Forever number one, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I started the Queen's Gambit. <gasps> yes. How far did you get? We didn't even get through the whole first episode yet. We're <sighs> almost done with it. And we were sucked in. I thought Joel was going to be super bored. And he's like, nope, I'm I'm into it. <laughs> so It's really good. Real talk. I've watched the entire thing at least six times now. Really? I can't stop because like when it's over, I try to switch to something else. And I just get really fucking bored and want to watch it again. It's a problem, but it's okay because I still got my episode done. And that's like all that matters. (laughs) I also have to read this gigantic ass book that I didn't realize was going to be this big. So that is a big book. Let's see. How long is this? 557 pages. So that wasn't supposed to be that big. Just light, light beach reading. It's going to be fine because, you know, there are color crime scene photos in it. I already flipped through and saw them. That's nightmare material. Honestly, at least this time I know they're in there. The last book I read that printed crime scene photos, they weren't on like um, the glossy paper Mm -hmm. that like more modern books use because this was like an older book. So they were just on regular paper. And I'm, like, reading, and then I turn the page, and it's, like, someone's dead body with literally no warning. So, at least this time I know that they're in there, and I know when I'm getting close because you can see the glossy paper. Yep. And then you skip over those. Oh, no, I'm going to look at them, and then I'm not going to sleep. I have to look at them. How else am I going to know? If they're in there, I have to look at them. Those are the rules. If I don't sleep for three days, that's fine. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to get murdered the same way the person in this story did, hopefully, so. Only by your curtains. I might get murdered by curtains tonight, yeah. You guys will have to tell everyone that's what happened, because no one's going to believe it. You're going to wake up like Scrooge does on Christmas Day when he's all wrapped up in his bed curtains, and he's just freaking out? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a slice or three of Urban Legends Pineapple Pizza Podcast. We're sweet and cheesy, and not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do, question mark. If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. 
If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, $7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PineAppPizzaPod. That's PineAppAppPizzaPod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at PineAppAppPizzaPod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.